from my experience, the best way to get implementation is actually going to site and sitting there and being at the mercy of their calendar, not your calendar, their calendar. And it's essentially just sitting there for the entire day. Like I was just, I've done with, with my clients. I just literally sit there. I'm an open book. I bring donuts along, as you probably noticed, Martin and Owen. You know, like, you've always got to bring something. That's also probably another thing. If you're going to turn up to, that's the real secret. Yeah, beer's frowned upon. I'm sure it's, yeah. But donuts or any other treat, if anyone else I see posting donuts, Krispy Kremes, I'm uh, going to be giving me some sort of royalty for that. But uh, no, but honestly, you know, if you're implementing any type of uh, software you need to be on site you need to be there and you need to be able to go consistently what is up everyone and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the bricks and bytes podcast your go-to for all things construction and property technology on today's podcast we have a true construction tech evangelist will sinnott Will is honestly one of the most passionate people I've ever met in the construction tech industry and owns some of the greatest insight when it comes to selling and implementation of construction tech. In this episode, we dive deep into one of the industry's key struggles, implementation. If you're enjoying our podcast, please check us out on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a review. This helps us get more amazing guests to give you guys the best and most informative content on technology in the built world. And shout out to our sponsor, Beta. If you want to connect with some of the biggest players in the construction tech world, including tier one building contractors, construction tech companies, investors, and advisors, check them out by visiting www.the-beta.com. You are listening to Bricks and Bytes Podcast, where we take you on a journey in construction, technology, and business. All right, let's get this episode started. So, Will, you're another guest of ours that has gone from a traditional construction role, being a geotechnical engineer, to a construction tech role. So, can you briefly explain the transition and why you've done it? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, my transition from being a geotech engineer to, to construction was, wasn't something that I was actually looking at. I wasn't, the opportunity essentially kind of came about. And as I started to kind of look into it a little bit further, um, I thought this was just too good of an opportunity to not give a go, at least try the interviewing. And then when the opportunity came and an offer was given, I was, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I'm in the, I'm still in the construction industry, which I've been in there for 14, 15 years and I've got my degree in. I get to play around with construction technology, gizmos, et cetera. And also I get to go out and meet loads of clients and take them out, et cetera. So it's kind of like a win-win for me. So who wouldn't want this opportunity? <laughs> So you weren't this type of engineer who is like focused on like deep work, working all the time, not talking to anyone, just spending time with their own spreadsheets. You were more like, I don't know your personality. In but the field. Yeah, you were more like in the field, talking to people, enjoying this part. Yeah, that's right. So my, my previous role when I was, a, uh, when I was working as, a, as an engineer, as a, as a, I'm a yeah, charter geologist and a geotechnical engineer. So I've worked on a number of projects across the UK, mostly in London, deep basements, tall towers, you know, mainly looking at the basements and the foundations design. And my role primarily at the very end of my career as an engineer, so to speak, was very much working with a team, working with the clients, working with the, uh, with the contractors, trying to get the best design out of what you can essentially squeeze into a very small area, especially in London, where usually 
anywhere and on every site that we had, we were next to some sort of third-party asset. And to be fair, that for me and my team, that was the best. If there was a network rail track or if there was a London tube, and that was fantastic. That A, that meant more work, but also it just meant that was more analytic work. Uh, and that was the bit that I really enjoyed doing, mm. not just the analytic side, but also mm. liaising with the third-party assets, such as like Crossrail or Network Rail or Thames Water, etc. Interesting. Nice. And is the... Uh analytical side something that you have applied to what you're doing now yeah i've definitely got an engineering mind in terms of how i work i I don't think that's ever going to go i'm still very much trying to assess like the problems that my clients have i treat it as an engineer and although i am a construction technology salesman essentially i still very much at the heart Mm -hmm. an engineer and i'm looking at their pain and i almost try to take that as my pain and how can i resolve and help them out and that's the same internally as well we're a we're a startup, you know, we've been going around for what, since 2015. And it's hard not to get into the to the depths of the actual process of how we work internally, both from the processes of actually delivering the, the product or the services, but also just every, every other little fundamental within the business. I want to get involved. And I have to, I am reminded yeah. sometimes, no, well, you need to be getting out there and, and seeking opportunities because uh, you <laughs> are the revenue maker. And I appreciate that, but yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard not to kind of get stuck in. Uh, and I think that's just the nature of myself, but I think that's just the nature of engineers. You want to be collaborative. You want to work together. You see it across all construction sites that everyone's trying to work together to get an end goal. And they can sometimes get a bit distracted on, on peripherals, but um, it's just trying to be laser focused and try to get the uh, the key things uh, done as uh, within our field. Yeah. So I'll just quickly touch on the transition again. So you said that the opportunity came about and you decided to jump into the tech. Some people might sometimes, uh, engineers might be working in engineering and then they think they would like to try something new. So transition into different, uh, maybe even construction tech environment. But like you, Martin. Well, I'm kind of working. <laughs> I'm doing both. <laughs> so I'm trying to get some ideas. Yeah, it's very good ideas, yeah. Am I consulting you now, Martin, am I? <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about the transition, but they don't know how to approach yeah. it? Because clearly for you, it just happened like it was a very appealing opportunity. You just jumped in. Yeah, so I should, if I just elaborate a little bit more about the opportunity that came about. So... It's all kind of started during COVID, during the lockdown. I was very much, you know, we were all stuck at home um, and we were sending out engineers to construction sites and to network rail abutments and doing network rail inspections. And the photos that we were taking just on the iPhone weren't very good. And I started looking at, well, what other technologies are out there to actually use to actually improve the photos? Because they've taken a 2D photo and I'm like, right, I want to look at the one next to it. But then I'd click the next photo and it would load on the other side of the railway or et cetera. And it's like, well, we need a 360 hmm. camera. So that's when we started looking at, and I've got one here. Obviously people can't see it on the, on the video, but I bought myself a 360. I bought the camera myself um, to actually explore nice. that technology. And, and luckily the price point of this type of tech is, has reduced substantially mm-hmm. in terms of actually what you can get from a 360 camera now and other technologies that, you know, portable in your hand is, uh, yeah, that definitely opened me up to the, understanding of what tech is there but then using it in field and i straight away saw the benefits so going back to your kind of question if people are looking to like explore that type of that field or, or going into the construction tech is there any opportunities that you're that you can actually just do trials is there something that you are you already familiar with the use of the technology now i'm already familiar with using 360 technology in fact when i was at my previous company we were taking the 360 photos we were using a relatively cheap software online to map the locations and essentially it gave you like a tour through 
parts of Cornwall where we had an embankment that we were looking to stabilize. And when we were sending it out to the contractors, they were essentially walking around. When I moved to Disperse and I saw some of the methodologies of how we're actually putting the photos in and actually mapping it, I was like, that's very similar to how I'm already doing it, how I was doing it in my previous company. Um, obviously, there's a lot more tech and a lot more AI, et cetera, that's involved within it Disperse. But yeah. when I was exploring other technologies at my previous firm, other site capture uh, technologies, it was very similar to what I was doing. Um, already. So there was already this kind of like natural flow mm. for me to kind of transition from my role into this construction technology role. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's about um, being curious, maybe staying in what you're doing now, but experimenting with a few things and being open-minded. Like I know, Will, you're quite an experimental person based on some conversations we had in terms of yeah, like the exactly. 3D uh, models that you create on yes. apps like Polycam, which which, oh, which I thought was quite cool. So Yeah, well, there's, there's just so much out there that, that you can now use. Yeah, yeah sure. And as, as part of the transition, something that I've certainly noticed recently is your uh, increase in presence, perhaps in, in the digital world, especially on LinkedIn. So what, what's your opinion on the importance of digital identity in today's we are in 2022 world yeah it's a really good question so yeah i think you'll probably notice i post a bit more frequently now on linkedin and i kind of see it as for me as a within the the tech consultant i want to be more than just selling technology i want to be also consulting and helping others within the industry about making them aware of the different types of technology that are out there and the best way of doing that is using social media now right now linkedin is a platform that i use on a regular basis and for me it has it has a number of benefits one i'm getting my word out for who i am but also who disperses and making everyone aware of the technologies that we've got but also other technologies that are out there but then from when I am meeting up with clients, or when I'm when I'm uh, reaching out to new potential clients, well, they're gonna they're gonna do they're gonna investigate me. Of course they are. I mean, I do that when people hit me on on LinkedIn. I'm like, well, who's this person? So they're gonna come onto my profile. They can't come to me physically because I might be on the other side of the country or the other side of the world. So what do they do? They look at your digital yeah. presence, your digital persona, and that's why I think there's you've, you've almost got like these two personas. You have your your real life, your RR, or real reality, as I like to call it, like we're doing right now, we're talking, and you're going to come away from here of having a much better understanding of who I am, how I act, uh, what are my behaviors, what are my likes and dislikes. But you're only getting a snippet of that, okay? And that's why uh, over time, it's really important to build upon that. But you then have your digital persona, which is really important. And, and brands and companies have this all the time. They have a website. It's a 24-7 yep. available, essentially having a, an interview 24-7. Someone can drop onto your webpage, see who you are, what are your interests, what are your likes. And that's why I really think it's important that if anyone is actually in the construction technology or in any form of sales or consulting, actually having a voice on the digital persona, on the sorry, the, the, the social medias is really important. And using leveraging LinkedIn is really important. And there's also Twitter and you know, Instagram, et cetera. It all depends, I guess, where your where your persona, where your uh, target market is. And my target market is in LinkedIn, yeah. you know, LinkedIn professionals, and if that helps. So. Yeah. So taking your strong background in engineering, and now you're doing the sales and construction tech, and I guess you also help companies to implement the technology when you visit them on sites. So 
Can you give us a little bit of the hint how you see the implementation of construction tech on site? And Will, I'd love to hear your quote as well about, um, you said something like sales is hard, go and go for it. <laughs> it's a really good question and a really good point. So implementation of, uh, of construction tech is hard. There's any technology, but um, there's, a, there's a really good book by um, Garen Hess who wrote Selling is Hard and Buying is Harder. I think in the case of implementation, it actually should be selling is hard, buying is harder, implementation is hardest. Um, and, and I think that's the key element. I think one for you to write. Yeah, well, you never know. You never know. That's, that's a, yeah, it's, it's on. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely on the uh, on the list of things to do uh, in my life. Twenty twenty five. Twenty twenty five. Maybe, maybe twenty thirty. <laughs> but uh, but no. But if you, if you just like boil it down, like what just disperse is trying to solve a fundamental issue about collecting data and providing data on a regular basis, but then making that data actionable, okay? You're dealing with a really core group of people who are on a project site who are incredibly busy, incredibly busy. And I think people forget just how busy they are and how many stakeholders they are then dealing with. And then if there's me coming along and trying to like, you know, showcase this new bit of technology, especially if it's being implemented or being not forced, but has been bought by someone who's not necessarily part of the project team, it's incredibly difficult to get implemented. And from now, you know, we definitely are dispersed. We have offer, um, we have an entire team that supports project teams in getting them up to speed using uh, Teams. You know, the Teams and Zoom online collaboration has been fantastic to be able to make those like those, those demos and those training. But from my experience, the best way to get implementation is actually going to site and sitting there and being at the mercy of their calendar not your calendar, their calendar. And it's essentially just sitting there for the entire day. Like I was just, I've done with several of my clients. I just literally sit there. I'm an open book. I bring donuts along, as you probably noticed, Martin and Owen. Oh, like, you know, like, you've yes. always you've always got to bring something. That's also probably another, another thing. If you're going to turn up to... That's the real secret. That's the real secret, yeah. Beer's frowned upon, I'm sure it's... Uh, but, um, <laughs> uh, but donuts or any other treat, if anyone else I see posting donuts, Krispy Kremes, I'm, uh, you've got to be giving me some sort of royalty for that. But uh, no, but honestly, like, if you're... <laughs> Implementing any type of uh, uh, software, you need to be on site. You need to be there, and you need to be able to, and go consistently. You know, go back again because they're not always going to get. They're not always going to get your technology the first time, um, and you know, so you need to be there. Yeah, so I think that's a struggle for some companies because, as I said, your background is quite unique. So from like a very strong engineering to sales executive, it's really. I don't think many people have it. So. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Martin. And I think that's something that I do try to emphasize to my customers when I do meet with them. I do let them know if they haven't checked me out or they don't know who I am. I do mention that I am a chartered geologist. I am uh, you know, 14 years of construction experience. I've been mm. working with a number of big projects such as Bassey, 21 Moorfield, Broadgate. I've done a number of infrastructure projects across London and also across the UK and a few retail outlets as well. So I have that experience of of working on site, dealing with the contractors, but also the pains of actually just taking photos and actually tracking progress from my side. Now, I'm a geotechnical engineer, so for people who's not listening and don't know necessarily that is, I essentially am a, I design foundations for tool towers, and, or I did, uh, for, for, mm-hmm. yeah, for tool towers and for buildings. So where my role was very much at the very start of the build when the piling contractor was on and actually piling and or putting installing foundations. And I would be taking data, I'd be marking it up, 
how much progress has been done, etc. And that is relatively straightforward because it's relatively slow compared to when you start building the superstructure and the fit out, when you've got multiple contractors working in it in one go. How can anyone keep abreast of what's actually going on? You know, it's it's incredibly yeah. difficult. So and that's why I think technology is there to help solve that issue. Yeah, sure. And apart from donuts, is there is there any uh, like proper system that you follow for implementation? Like, is it like a program which you roll out with people or is it like user technology or how does that work? Yeah, so within Disperse, we have a like a, a process of, of how we want to best get implemented, imp- implement our software within the teams. We very much, you know, hands-on very early on before our technology is even started because it's about also planting the seed within the project team that this software is coming. You know, our software is typically implemented or our service is typically implemented usually during the superstructural, at least the fit-out phase. But you've already got a project team established, you know, during the during the piling or during the very early stages of uh, of, the, of, the, of the of the superstructure. So just making them aware very early on and starting training them up when you actually start and actually start providing your service, they're already aware. They're already familiar with it. They haven't put any systems in play internally, such as Excel spreadsheets or whatever, that mm-hmm. when they do get your software, that they go. Well, I've already been doing this method. Why do I now have to do this method? And then they've got two <laughs> methods. We we don't want that. We want to have one method that has very little input from them, and we are providing the service to them that they just essentially consume the information and then act upon that that information. So, yeah, we do have a process, and we also have a process that's throughout the, the works. And then as the project starts to finish, also about capturing the lessons learned, and that's another key element. It's capturing those lessons learned, not just from you as a, as a software, like within Disperse, but also within the actual contractor, within the main contractor, because they're going to have lots of lessons learned of how they use this type of technology. And they need to share that with the next team and then they move on. Because you think after, at the end of a project, well, what happens? Those, that team finishes and then some of those people will move on to different projects. Well, you need to be able to capture that and transfer that to the next project. And because that's incredibly important, not just from dispersed side, but also from mm-hmm. the main contract. You've just invested all that time in using this software. We'll learn from it and implement it at the next project. Yeah, sure. And you've uh, you've obviously teased the software quite a bit there. So moving on to Disperse and what Disperse does. Explain, give us your best sales pitch as, as that is what you do. So I'm looking forward to this. So Disperse was, uh, was formed in about 2015. Uh, and essentially one of the key the criteria is that the key pains it was trying to solve was was actually just collecting accurate, reliable, and consistent data on a construction site. We know that construction sites have a terrible uh, data management in terms of what is actually going on in the site. If you, if you think about it right now, on a construction site without Disperse, you have QSs going out on site, you have planners going out on site, you have construction managers, you have project managers, you have all these people going out on site and collecting data of where they are actually on the, on, on the site. So you have multiple amount of people that are saying that yeah, about their bits of information. Exactly. And and they're all going to have their own little biases, whether or not it's their it's their preferred service, that the skill that they're they're tracking, if it's first or second fix, et cetera, or maybe their experience. So where Disperse was really trying to come in was actually trying to try to solve that by capturing that data and actually forming that data and say, well, where are you actually on your construction site? Where is the first or the second fix? Where are your different trades and actually progressing against their planned progress? So you can see that information. Rather than having to walk out on site, we present that. So we're really kind of giving your construction site a voice and actually like understanding like where are you actually on site? Okay. But this actually led on to a second pain. 
And the, the second pain was we were giving too much information. We had too much information from our, cl- our clients. We're saying, you just got too much. Like, what do I do with this information? So, and this actually comes to how good is your software in terms of relaying this information? How can you make this data as actionable and as easy as to use as possible? And that's where we've really come about with our new uh, package, uh, our new uh, platform, which is coming out very shortly, which I, I don't want to name just yet, but you'll be seeing it on LinkedIn, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially bringing that, so, that, that data so you can u- quickly and easily use it. And that goes back to like implementation. If your platform needs an instruction manual, you're going to have a problem. Netflix does so well because anyone can pick up, use it, click it and go. If your platform has a huge uh, instruction manual, you're going to have a problem because you've got to remember, you're not just dealing with people like myself or like yourselves who are relatively good at using technology. You're dealing with customers who don't necessarily know how to use computers to the extent that we do. We, for, just for an example on that, we've just introduced a button for zooming in and out. On our, When you're looking at a 360 photo, you zoom in and zoom out. It's relatively, most people just use instinctively use the touchpad, okay, or their mouse. Yep. Clients didn't know how to do that. Not all of them, I'm just saying a few. So that made us think, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. we need that. We need that. So stop thinking it necessarily about what you think the customer, get on site, see how they use it and see their mm. pain points and actually how they're using it and then implement it. It needs to be as easy as yeah. picking up an iPad and anyone just swiping around and using it because that's where you're actually going to get meaningful use out of your software. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you create in the laboratory if the on-site conditions are different, yeah? Yeah. So, <laughs> so Disperse is definitely, you know, trying to like, you know, that's what we're trying. We're trying to package that, provide the data to the clients uh, in a meaningful way that they can then act. And we have other elements because we're also tracking against, we're looking at t- your, we're looking at your drawings. We actually can check to see if the works are actually installed correctly. We're highlighting early spotlights. If one of your trades is actually slowing, we can highlight that to you. If there's been works that rework, if there's been rework that's been done, I didn't realize how bad the industry was until I started actually seeing it firsthand. We see work go in and we see work mm-hmm. being pulled out. It's like, well, why was that? Because <laughs> of the sequencing has been out of place. They haven't been looking at the data, haven't been you know, uh, understanding what the works are actually progressing, et cetera. So that's what Disperse is really trying to pull that information and highlighting that. So highlighting those blockers very early on so that, so that at the very end, you're not having to deal with it. You're, you're dealing with it during the works so it doesn't become a legacy pro- project. Sure. Do you have like maybe some stats and statistics? Is that even a term? Statistics is probably the word <laughs> of uh, the benefits of using Disperse's software or even just like maybe some more qualitative benefits? Yeah, hugely. So every site I would say is, is definitely bespoke. Uh, in terms of like how much usage and what we were getting. But in terms of claims we're saving, we have saved on previous clients millions of pounds of claims because they've been able to use our data to be able to track back and see well what that what information was actually done and be able to look at it. We've got essentially a digital mm-hmm. archive. But also just like in terms of the hours we're saving, QSs, planners, project managers, in terms of not having to go out on site. They still have to go to site, obviously. Uh, they're still, but we, we're freeing up mm, their, I was going to say they'll love that. Yeah, <laughs> but we're essentially freeing up their time. If you imagine like project managers who are going out on site and they're spending 50% of their time tracking progress and walking around site, well, and then the other 50% dealing with the main pains on site, well, let us help you and alleviate some of that 50%. We'll give you the data on how your construction site is. And that frees up more time for you to be able to actually go on site and actually deal with the pains and actually provide the most value. That's the most value that you're that you're there. You're not there to essentially track progress. You want to be able to deal with the issues with your contractors, or not just to deal with them, but also help them. You know, if you can see that if you've got more time to be able to support with them, it's going to have a win-win benefit for everyone. And again, it's every, I, I personally think our platform 
can have a benefit for everyone, not just the project managers or the planners or the QSs, but I think it has everyone, whether or not it's just a task list at the very start of the week when they see well, what works have been done last week, well, we can see that because we've got ex- we've got a report that says all the tasks that were completed to plan their week or to the spotlights that we highlight and go, right, on floor 50, there's been some, there's been a rework that's been done. I wouldn't have spotted that. Or if I would have done, I'd have to go all the way up to floor 50, check that out. And I might have missed mm-hmm. it. Whereas Disperse has highlighted that. So yeah. all these like numbers that we can like, mm-hmm. you know, generate in terms of support is, is huge. Um, and we're seeing that now, especially now we've, you know, we've done over a hundred projects at Disperse and, and uh, we've got what, 45 wow. projects, I think live right now. We're taking 50, 60,000, 360 photos a week. So it's, it's different. Wow. Yeah. So it, how many? Over 50,000 yeah, photos a week. Okay. Photos, 360 photos a week. Yeah. So that's what we're roughly uploading every week. So yeah, just for people's benefit, Dispersed is more than just a, you know, we don't necessarily hand over the camera to the uh, to the contractors. We actually have that service in-house. We go out on site. We take those photos on a okay. weekly basis. Yeah. If, one of our, if one of our staff members uh-huh. is ill, like, you know, we're human, we have backup. They go out on site. They're all trained with CSES cards um, here in the UK and I guess in America and other parts. Obviously, they'll have mm. the correct training that they need. But then those photos are uploaded. You've then got essentially a digital archive of your actual build. And then we use our AI and our human hybrid approach uh, to actually track the progress of your construction site. And so there's almost like three services that we're providing within one disperse. And that's one thing that, I don't, especially when I speak to clients that, oh, I just thought you took photos. We are so much more than just pretty 360 photos. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you actually <laughs> offered the service to take photos. Yeah, Great. Sure. We're really bad at taking photos. We know that because we have clients come up to us and say, we tried the self-scanning. It doesn't work. I want to, we'll go with you disperse because you you offer that service. Yeah, that sounds like a bit of a, uh, it sounds like a game changer to be honest with you. Like I, I have, I don't know a company that does that. It sounds like a complete, as a USP is probably the word because you're really actually helping people to use the software and not just saying, there you go. Thanks for your money. Yeah. See you later. Exactly. That's a really good way of putting it, Owen. Exactly. And, and it wasn't something that Disperse wanted to get into. It was just that we were, when we were handing over the cameras to the contractors, they weren't mm. taking the photos. Um, and I know this as an engineer going out to site, of course, taking yeah. lots of photos on your iPhone was great because you could get some really good photos. But then you get back to the office a day later and you'd be like, right, I've got a photo of a column. Which, fo- which column is that? I can't remember what floor I'm on. Oh, you know, you start getting lost or you put those photos, you put those <laughs> photos in the pain. Mine feels the pain, exactly. So there's definitely technology out there in terms of like being able to help yeah. with site reality capture. Um, and that's one thing I, you know, I definitely, if anyone's yeah. just looking for that, there's definitely people, there's definitely businesses out there, but, but why don't you just get more meaningful information out of that data? You know, you've got a photo, it's got data. Let us take that data and actually provide you with like, well, yeah, trade one or trade two have progressed by 10% this week or trade three has actually regressed on floor 50. Okay, I'm definitely going to floor 50 inside. Why, why yeah, that? so Will, yeah, on that, you, you obviously touched on a data point now, which is, is something I personally find very interesting. So with the, the pictures that you're getting, you're obviously collecting tons of data. So mm-hmm. how does Huge. that... Yeah. How has that turned into something useful for people? Because obviously there is a real danger that you're just getting photos of stuff. That's like, yeah. okay, great. <laughs> this doesn't really mean anything. And then how does that translate into perhaps a business case like for performance of maybe subcontractors? Yes, yeah, really, really good question. Aaron. So within the photos that we're taking, now again, these are just 360 cameras, you know, the size of your hand, but essentially, and, and, and our guys and girls are just walking around just taking photos in the same location every week. There is so much data within that photo. Now, if you look at any 
photo right now you've got of a construction site you could work out roughly by counting how many bricks have been installed or, or, or laid sorry or how much uh, facade has been installed by looking at it but if you start scaling that over a 50-story building and then you start tying in all the different trays it'll take you forever to be able to actually track the progress and that's where we're really leveraging the the ai and the, the computer vision to be able to track well what works have actually progressed between week one and week two and week three, et cetera. And we, can, we highlight that essentially seeing what the works have done in, in every room. And, and some rooms, some buildings, like 90% of the time, there's been no work's been done at all. So what's the point of going to those rooms? Mm-hmm. Why am I going to walk through 600 units or 600 homes and, and, and actually just try and find an issue when there may not actually be an issue? Well, we can tell you that mm-hmm. because our, our software has, has highlighted or not highlighted any progress change. And then where our software takes it to the next level, we have this human element. We have, we actually have architects and engineers within Disperse. We have a, a fantastic team that goes through the photos using the computer vision, which we're training to actually understand what stud work yeah. or plasterboard or what lights are, and then using the human element to kind of correcting that AI so that it's essentially pro- tracking that and then implementing it into the data. And then the reports that we provide, well, our new dashboard, which you know, you'll be seeing very shortly across LinkedIn, essentially just making that data really easy. What has your contractor done? What has trade one or trade two done this week? Okay, let's see. Now let's drill into that data a little bit more. How much first fix have they done this much? How much of those components have they actually done this much? We're tracking all that data. We, I think it's over 480 different components that we track. We've got a facade, sorry, we've got a, a scaffolding company uh, that are looking to use this because they want just additional support in terms of tracking scaffolding. Not something that we thought we'd ever be tracking, but hey, we can essentially, once you teach the AI and we, we learn within the business of how to actually track it, we can essentially track anything. So it just brings this whole new, open mm-hmm. up this uh, new you know, technology and new, awesome. new wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Very good. Well, what sort of projects you guys are interested in working on? What type of size or maybe project value? Yeah, so in terms of, I think, quick, quick question, Martin. So right now, in terms of size, I mean, the biggest project right now we're on is One Nine Elms within the UK, uh, which is multiplex. You know, it's a billion pound construction. Um, Resi at a hotel. It's huge. It's taking us you know, a day or two to actually scan 10,000 photos a week that we're actually taking. It's, it's, wow. it's insane the amount of photos that we're taking, the amount of data that we're capturing. But then that, that actual team, there's a... What would be the smallest one? Yeah. So in terms of size, we can track anything between five, 10,000 square meters, anything, any, any size, really. It just becomes obviously in terms of the value of usually what I find, at least when I'm talking to my uh, clients, that by the time you get to you know, something that's sort of less than five or a couple of thousand square meters, then they've got enough it, the pro, the works aren't necessarily progressing fast enough for them to be able to not be able to react. Um, it's when you really start to have those resis or yeah. the commercial, when you have those fit out stages and you've got multiple contractors working at one time. Okay, mm. we can really yeah. leverage our ability to be able to track that. But yeah, we, we do commercial, we do data centers, we've got aviation coming out in America very soon. We've got hospital hospitals would be great because hospitals are very in terms of the actual every building, every rooms that they can be you know different. Whereas Resi obviously is very much this, very re- repetitive, but that's also very important, very good because because of the repetitive nature, it can actually be very hard for the general con- uh, for the contractor sorry to actually go. Well, I can't actually remember which floor it was because they're all the same. So us, we, we can provide that yeah, level yeah. of detail per <laughs> per floor. So, but yeah, so ultimately, right now, very big on Resi, very big on commercial, but we're also looking at data centers, hospitals, um, retail, except and hotels. Okay, so what I wanted to touch on is compliance, really, because the type of business that Disperse is sound to me like having some having worked in uh, structural warranty industry for a few years, I can see there is a huge 
need for something like that for the compliance purposes. If it's building control or structural warranty, because currently how it works yeah. is that you've got a surveyor who goes out to site and they think that this is done right. They think this is done, done wrong uh, based on some manual building recs and their experience. So I can only imagine a situation when there is a camera which has a knowledge of these, uh, of how details should be built and uh, how things should look like. So this kind of eliminates the need for a surveyor. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, so obviously within the UK, we've obviously got the building safety bill, which has been passed and and we've got more elements of that going to be coming in the next year or two from, from a government in terms of what regulations are required for us in terms of tracking. And that's something that Disperse has actually been already been actively involved in, in terms of looking at the golden thread compliance and looking at how we can support the industry. Because like you said, we're taking lots of photos across the construction site and how can we use that data to help compliance? And we're actually already doing it, Martin, in some respects. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned about like fireproofing. We've, we highlight that as one of our spotlights. If, if we can see that uh, where we're taking photos, if there is meant to be fireproofing and we don't see it go in and then the plasterboard goes up or whatever it blocks it, we will highlight that as, as an alert to you. We will highlight it as a yeah. spotlight saying, wow. we, we saw uh, some ducting work going in. We didn't see the fireproofing. Please double check. Mm. And now it might just be a simple case. Yeah, actually checked it, resolved, done. Remember, it disperses very much that we don't want the least amount of input from you guys, but on these types of things are very important, especially with the building safety bill coming out. So we've already got those processes in, in place in, in one way, Martin. And we, you know, we're checking not just like fire, but also waterproofing, but anything that's been installed that doesn't look correct, we, we'll flag that. And we'll say, this is this, we've seen, I've seen doors installed in the wrong location. And um, we can right go down to the quality of the tap. Um, or the sprinkle system, you know, this sprinkler system was in the wow. wrong location or it's not. So we're already actually doing that, that that in one way. We just haven't got to the level of degree in terms of the compliance of what's coming out you know, for, for, for next year or the year after. But a lot of our clients are actually using our service as like, we're going to use Disperse. We're going to get this going now because when this law does become more in play and it becomes more impactful, when I come to lease or sell these apartments, etc. Are they going to be able to get a mortgage? Because you think those mortgage companies are going to be thinking, has this room, is it compliant? Because we've got this like digital archive, this black box, so to speak, of your construction build, they can be more assured that, yeah, Disperse has been there. They've taken millions of photos across this construction site. So, yeah, and they are compliant. Or there, you know, the, the certainty of it is much higher there if they didn't have that data. So even like when you, I don't know if you guys have ever bought a new build, but I've bought a new build in the past and just going around and taking photos of the first fix and the second fix, et cetera. Mm-hmm. For me, when I now live in it, I now know where all the, the cabling is. Yes. That is mm-hmm. incredibly important from in the exactly. next stage of what we'll be looking at dispersive about how can we use that and leverage that data for the for the future landlord or the future owners. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. The um And the progress tracking element of it, obviously there's a, there's a huge... Uh, Legal is legal the right word? Like you obviously yeah. construction is one of the most litigious industries, or maybe the most litigious industries Probably, in the world. Yes. So yeah. yeah, how does the progress tracking like what's the importance of progress tracking and and are there any examples perhaps where maybe it's a little bit early, but where maybe uh disperse have actually um help someone maybe win a case or something? Yeah, so we have actually got some things working on in the background in terms of that. I, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to speak about it um, too much or go into too much detail, but no, of course. because we've got essentially the, the data of how the construction works have actually progressed across the entire construction. What we've seen, obviously like during COVID, I, I, I'm pretty sure I can give you this example. During COVID, obviously here in the UK, we 
had lockdowns. It was a couple of weeks, no works. And then when the works did start, we had to have safety measures in place. So construction sites that may have had like four or 500 people on site were dramatically reduced. Okay. And because of that, mm-hmm. that reduction, they were the, the, the original plan date that they said they were never going to hit. And quite rightly so. It's a change in the works. But, and some of our clients have actually made claims on their insurance on how can that, this was an issue that was a force majeure sort of thing. You know, it was outside of their control and they can use our data to actually essentially yeah. see, well, you, we can prove it. All the works were, were working a hundred percent. And then suddenly COVID hit, bam reduction obviously we stopped and then afterwards when work started rather than it being x amount of uh, people hours on site it reduced dramatically and that had a knock-on efficiency and we can show that in data we can show that knock-on effect and where which contractors got hit the hardest so that's one element and then another element i don't want people to be doing um, to go into like you know claims etc i my plan for this type of software is actually that the contractors are dealing with issues on site then and there and they can see the data. If yeah. they see that the contractor or the trade is reducing, they deal with it then, not afterwards. And we're flagging that by saying mm-hmm. this trade is slowing down. It may be as simple as the trade hasn't had any supply because of the supply issues that we're already having facing the site. That contractor can go, right, let's write that up. Let's agree. Done. Let's continue on. How can we help improve that? Rather than leaving it until after the project and they go, well, this date here, you were late. You started you know, falling behind. We're going to make a claim there. So, well, you're dealing with that afterwards. Deal with it during the actual progress of your, of your works. You know, Don't make it a legacy. Yeah. So I'm hopeful mm. that this will actually reduce the amount of claims and make the construction far more efficient, um, which is, I think, one of the things that, that the industry definitely does need to do because we're one of the... I think industry yeah. construction issues like one of the worst behind farming now in terms of construction technology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I keep yeah. seeing these funny analogies. I saw another one the other day. I can't remember what it was. Maybe something like fishing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kidding, I don't know. I mean, if you've got, to, you've got to hand it to like the team, the project teams, anyone who's listing this on a construction site, they know you're dealing with multiple stakeholders. You know, yeah. farming, you've got some Latin, I mean, my family is from farming. And I know it's obviously difficult, it's hard work, but you've usually got a few farmers. Whereas on a construction site, you've got multiple stakeholders, you've got multiple payment methods, you've got multiple claims. And it's, it's just one massive headache. I think the analogies are how they describe, they compare, it's not apples and apples. So um, I think yeah. the, uh, the industry doesn't get enough respect in terms of just how complicated uh, the, yeah. the actual construction works are. Sounds good. All right, should we move to off topic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay, you mentioned a book. What was it, the book? I think it was before we started recording. What are you reading currently? Yeah, so I've just recently finished uh, the book by Garen Hess uh, called Selling is Hard, Buying is Harder. One of the things I thought I'd do is, obviously being in this industry, I'd replace all my construction manuals and uh, BS5930 hmm. uh, standards uh, for some, uh, te- <laughs> some technology. And, uh, well, to be fair, all these, like, these terminologies like ABM, account-based marketing, I was like, I have no idea what that acronym is. I mean, I knew what RRI was, but it still wasn't something. I've had to replace all my KOs and K0s and KPs, um, which yeah. are active pressures and passive pressures. <laughs> Killing Newtons, exactly. All these yeah. different acronyms that I use into something a little bit different. So um, it's definitely been a... But I've used that as... Yeah, I've used uh, your podcasts, but also uh, you know different yeah, books out there to actually try to help familiarize myself with this industry. 
so that people can take me a little bit more serious than just some sort of engineer guy who turns up with donuts. <laughs> and what kind of stuff, Will, do you, outside of uh, Disperse and maybe even family, what, what kind of stuff do you get up to apart from 3D scanning as well? <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, other than all the little tech stuff that I do, yeah, big into fitness, uh, a lot of cycling, a lot of running, uh, into health. Uh, I have got family, I've got my two boys uh, and, and my wife, which we, you know, we live over in Bristol Way. So yeah, living the outdoor lifestyle is uh, definitely something I enjoy. But also, being a techie, I also like to video game uh, quite a bit. Um, so yeah, it's a great way of just like downtime. Um, but I'm always on, always, I think YouTube is one of the benefits of being, and, I, and I've told you guys about my thoughts on YouTube is that it's just so much wealth of information. And I just enjoy learning. You know, I just enjoy sticking yeah. YouTube on and just putting on a few things. If it's, if it's about sales, if it's about technology, you know, what's coming out, I just like to watch a few YouTube videos yeah. and I feel like I have a little bit more appreciation of that, of that actual industry. Um, and then I like to try to share it. This podcast is one of them. Obviously, my LinkedIn is another way, but also just in my day-to-day presence when I'm on construction sites and talking to them about, have you heard of this? a new contractor that's out uh, sorry this new software platform that's out etc it's not it's not a competitor of ours which is always good uh, but have you thought about looking at one of these because <laughs> you know you're looking at modulus or modules if you looked at modulus etc so yeah there's just there's, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. so much to do outside um and yeah continuing to learn and i'd always recommend anyone from engineering to, to sales con- it's a continuous learn um, and i think that's be fair should be yeah. for anyone coming out of university or, or any oh, yeah. higher education you know, enjoy learning because uh, ultimately you, you, it's, it's never going to be a negative um, to you. Yeah, I agree. And your transition shows us that uh, for you, it's all about learning because it's a completely different thing that you used to it's do. Completely different. So thanks for that, Will. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so hit me up on uh, LinkedIn. Feel free to uh, DM me or direct message me anytime or just uh, post in one of my comments. Be more than happy to uh, catch up. If you're interested, obviously, just, yeah, DM me and, and we can organize a, a call. But um, also reach out to Owen and Martin and I'm sure they've got my contact details mm-hmm. if you want to catch up with me via phone. <laughs> of course, absolutely. All right, Will, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bricks and Bytes podcast. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you in the next episode.